O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be found pleasing in your sight. Amen. Well, you'll know, of course, that it is, in fact, New Year's Eve, but you might not have been aware that there is another lesser-known holiday today being celebrated by churches all over the country, including our own celebrated, in many cases, endured in some. It is, in fact, uh, National Associate Pastor Preaching Day. Um, It is this holiday which takes place, of course, as senior ministers disappear after Christmas um, to wherever they go. And so, uh, not just myself, but of course familiar to you, Anna Holiday is celebrating as well, afar, so um, it is a pleasure to celebrate this holiday with you. (laughs) And nonetheless, the gospel breaks in, a new year approaches, and we, the people of God, we are still waiting. It behooves us, I think, not to stray too far from our text, and so we're staying local this morning. And I think this passage lends itself towards that. In the characters, perhaps we might find ourselves in Mary, in Joseph, the newborn Jesus, Simeon, Anna, and the people of Jerusalem. I see ourselves. Now, Mary and Joseph, like us, they have experienced the joy of Christmas. But for them and for us, I think, life is still happening. Christmas joy comes, but life is still happening. Jesus is still a baby. Mary and Joseph, they're not all of a sudden rich people with perfect lives, without fear. And I don't know about you, but even though Christmas has passed for me, I'm not all of a sudden rich with a perfect life. I don't think any among us could claim both. We're all real people. And if you are like me also, the turn to the new year is a time of yearning and reflection. This turn from Christmas to the new year, we think quite a bit about our lives and the direction um, that we're headed in. And this passage is helpful for me in this season because in it I find redemption and new life. So if we find ourselves in Mary and Joseph, perhaps we, like them, are exhausted and apprehensive, still waiting. They've taken the child Jesus to the temple to move through the rituals that were customary for young Jewish boys. Now there's a long side road that we could take about these rituals, and we won't. But they're happening. So the Jewish rituals are happening for the child Jesus. And when they get to the temple, they meet this man, Simeon. One, description, one our scripture describes as having been led by the Holy Spirit. Now Simeon, not only having been led by the Holy Spirit, he's been told that he cannot die until he has seen Jesus. And when he recognizes Jesus, he is overjoyed. He describes him as the light and salvation of all people, which we would expect. But then he turns to Mary, and his words are important. He says to her, This child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Simeon is saying, of course, that even for the Messiah, even for the newborn Jesus, the new life he has promised is not going to be perfect. It's not going to be without pain and hardship. He warns Mary that her soul will be pierced as if with a sword. Mary will know pain because her life is woven together inextricably with her son's life. But of course, Mary already knew this. She's Jesus' mother, after all. And so Simeon's not revealing new knowledge to her, but the fact that Scripture uses Simeon to emphasize these things, I think, is important. For us... 
as with Jesus, new life is promised, life abundant and joyous and beyond our imagination and so much more. But there will also be hardship, rising and falling, experiences where the core of our being and inner thoughts are going to be revealed by difficulty. Redemption is hard. We know that. New life is both beautiful and painful, beginning at birth, and we know that too. This is the honest gospel, the one that takes life seriously. So after Simeon speaks these things to Mary, our text tells us about the prophet Anna, a woman who spends her life in the temple fasting and praying. But upon the arrival of Jesus, she goes out into the city to preach redemption to the people of Jerusalem. Now, as scripture sometimes does, it silences this woman, Anna, while giving Simeon all the dialogue. But she's the one out in the city doing the work. And it's like that sometimes, I think. Some of you might identify with Anna in this way. But it's important that Anna's not just preaching to anyone. She's preaching to the ones looking for redemption, scripture says. And that's where we find ourselves, too. We're looking for it. For many, the holiday season is one of joy, but for many also, it's one of difficulty. And so for each of us, we are looking for this redemption, whatever that might mean for us. So Simeon and Anna, their words and movements in the text promise new life and redemption for the one seeking it, but with the caveat that redemption hurts and that new life is not easily come by. And yet, redemption is possible. New life is promised. And here is an example of what that might look like. This year, I've become a volunteer sponsor for the Men of Quality at the J. Graham Brown School. This is the school downtown at First and Muhammad Ali, where I grew up and from which I graduated. Now, this group, the Men of Quality, they are a remarkable group of young men. They each joined this group at some point because they both needed and wanted direction. Now, they're now mainly juniors and seniors, but most of them joined at some point in middle school or early in high school. We meet each Tuesday afternoon for our meetings. We read to elementary school students two mornings a week, and we're working on numerous other endeavors from continued service to the community, a Black History Month program, outreach, and a lot more. These young men are men of integrity and character. They are motivated, they are gifted and talented, and they are destined for great things. Last semester, we worked hard for a number of months to put together our Men of Quality Forum, where we invited speakers from the community, family members, and the school community all to gather for an evening addressing the need for role models for young men, especially young men of color. We reserved the auditorium and the reference room. We made calls. We left voicemails and emails to numerous speakers, professionals, academics, everyone here and there. All of these folks recommended to us. We invited everyone. And if you know Indy's Chicken, um, we got a bunch of that too. It is kind of the best. And so we ordered a bunch of Indies for our reception that we were going to have afterwards. And so the night of the program, we gathered at the school at 4.30, and we started to move chairs and tables and prepare ourselves. Many of the young men had agreed to speak. We picked up the food, and we set up the reference room in the auditorium. And so we all had a little bit of nerves because we were excited. But as the time got closer, we were a bit more nervous, not because of the leadership we had agreed to take part in, but because we were worried about who might come. And so it came to pass at 7 when we were to start, and then further still at 7.15 that no one came, not a single person. 
Now, there are many reasons for this, many in our control, timing, we maybe were a bit too late, better advertising, perhaps we hadn't done enough announcements. But there were many that were outside of our control. And these guys were deeply disappointed, and I was disappointed for them. But still, we went up into the reference room, and I had prepared some remarks for them, uh, hoping for a crowd closer to 100 or 150, and I told them I still wanted to give them. So we sat in a circle in the reference room, and I did. And believe it or not, my words to them were quite similar to Simeon's words to Mary. Life is going to be beautiful and incredible for you, but it's also going to be hard. After I had spoken, each of them decided then in that space that they would each share the answer to the question, how has this group, the men of quality, how has it saved my life? And so that's what we did together in that room that night. Their stories are not mine to share, but the things they carried... They are not things that everyone makes it out of. As each one shared, their words were vulnerable and filled with emotion and with pain. Their souls were pierced as if with a sword. But they also shared joy and laughter and fondness and hilarity and familiarity with one another. We cried tears of all kinds. Each of these young men, they named in their own way how the group had literally saved them and carried them from their own life and their old life into real redemption. They are not perfect, but they have been changed. They have loved one another through more difficulty than we might imagine, and they have become young men of quality. So for the night, until far later than we intended to stay, we didn't leave until about 10.30, that reference room was sacred ground. After we shared our stories, we sat and ate indies, we laughed and we cleaned the room, and then we left into the night each of us back into the world as hard and as difficult as it is, but knowing that we are already being redeemed. Now this is real redemption all the way down. Our failure and misfortune for the evening was redeemed. No one in that room will ever forget what we shared that night. Nothing was wasted. We stood on holy ground. But also, each of those young men is still being changed they are going to change the world and whatever community, whatever community they find themselves in one day. Now, it hurt deeply to name what we named together, but in sharing our pain, we found that it was worth it. So my hope is that this is the idea of redemption and new life that we cling to as individuals and as a church into the new year. It's a gritty, authentic theology of redemption and new life. It's not the kind we can just pray ourselves into or that lands in our lap as if by magic, but it's the kind that comes with time, with rising and with falling, if we participate with God and the dreams that God has for us. This is the kind that hurts sometimes but does not overwhelm our hope or our joy. We have to remember this year as each of us faces our own uncertainties and as our church faces a year of transition and uncertainty as well, new life and redemption, they are already promised to us. Now, these aren't going to be easy in all seasons. In fact, it's going to be quite hard. But sometimes, also, the universe will align and everything will be okay and right. We will find out our own inner thoughts and the inner thoughts of others. It's going to be a lot, a full year, one might say. But in practice, this looks like patience, compassion for one another, kindness and forgiveness, erring on the side of grace giving each other the space to feel what we feel and supporting one another through it. And if we remember what is promised, and if we bravely and honestly face the year that is to come, 
And if we love one another, even and especially when it is hard, we will find, I think, that new life is already here, that we are being remade and redeemed. And like Jesus, we will find that we are wiser and that we are stronger and more whole. For such is the promise of our God. Amen. Those who wish to join our community here at Highland are invited to do so during our hymn, which we will sing, hymn number 115. So let us stand and sing. Thank you. 